Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. Welcome to this episode of Neo Chats, where we turn our focus to the heart of the matter. That is the heart of our preemie patients and the ever-changing dialogue around PDA. Dr. Shobhik Mitra has been delving into the changing approach to treating PDA in preemies. He's an assistant professor in the Division of Neonatal and Perinatal Medicine at Dalhousie University. Welcome to Neo Chats. Thanks for having me here today. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us and really delve into the controversy that exists around PDA and preemies. Yes, so it is, it is a bit of a controversy. And um, in the spirit of Halloween, you can say it's tricky to treat or not treat a PDA in a preterm baby. But again, jokes apart, PDA or the ductus arteriosus is, is different from other conditions like infection or necrotizing enterocolitis. Because when a baby has infection or neck, we know it's bad and it needs to be treated. But a PDA in a preterm baby is not always bad. The ductus arteriosus is actually a blood vessel that is essential for fetal life. So when a baby is born, its job is done and it closes off in a few days. But in a preterm baby, sometimes it could days take days and even weeks to close off. And in some babies, and we suspect the smaller and the more premature ones, it starts to cause a problem. And what it essentially does is that it draws away blood from all the different organs and dumps it into the lungs, making the lungs really wet and heavy. And therefore, the babies might need more and more oxygen, more breathing support on the ventilator. And if this goes on for a long time, it might chronically damage the lungs, which we know as chronic lung disease. And at the same time, it could draw blood away from the gut, leading to neck itself, and from the kidneys causing renal failure. So this could lead to major, major problems in a very small premature baby if the PDA remains open for a long time. But the controversy is that we really do not have a clear, straightforward definition on when to accuse the PDA for all these problems. When do we label it as an innocent bystander? That is, if we leave it alone, nothing is going to happen to the baby versus when do we call it pathologic or significant? Or in other words, if we do not act on it, it is going to harm the baby. And that is the biggest controversy that we have right now. It's such a tricky thing for, I think, parents to understand when you're trying to deal with them. What, what are some of the, those pros and cons of trying to figure out at what point we should intervene? That is, that is a interesting question. And to answer that, uh, we need to delve a little bit into the history of PDA research. So doctors and researchers have suggested definitions for a significant PDA that have been used in uh, PDA-related studies for years. And these are based on a combination of clinical signs, such as a murmur on examination, increased needs for oxygen, increased need for breathing support, low blood pressure, etc., along with some specific markers on the ultrasound of the heart, such as 
increased PDA size, and stretched out chambers of the heart. But there is a slight problem. We really do not know if a PDA, based on such definitions, really lead to bad outcomes. And the unfortunate reason is that we have been researching PDA for the last 40 years, and until recently, we have mostly been asking the wrong questions. We have tried different treatment options and have done more than 80 studies involving thousands and thousands of uh, preterm babies, carefully comparing one treatment option versus the other, trying to figure out which is the best to close the significant PDA. But we never really asked the question, what would have happened had we left it open? Would, have, would it have really caused a long-term problem? And that really highlights an important gap in neonatal PDA research because we never really asked parents what's important to them. We rather have tried to answer the questions that were easier to answer. Now that we have known a little bit more about this condition through observing thousands of babies, we've realized that in some preterm infants, especially the ones who are born slightly more mature, more than 28 weeks of gestation, many of these so-called significant PDAs close off on their own without any problems whatsoever. So if your baby has a PDA and your doctor decides to just wait and watch, especially if your baby is stable, it is a perfectly reasonable option, especially in the first two weeks of age. The problem though is that we are not confident if we can apply the same to those smaller and sicker preterm babies with clear signs of a large PDA either clinically, when we know the baby is needing more and more oxygen, or is even coughing up blood through the breathing tube. And we have confirmed those findings on the ultrasound of the heart, which also shows signs of a very large PDA. In those cases, it might not be a smart option to wait on it, though we no, don't know that for sure. And that is something that we are precisely trying to figure out through our current research that whether treating very small babies selectively early on might be actually beneficial uh, in terms of their long-term clinical outcomes. But before the results of such research is available, if I'm caring for a baby with a PDA, if the baby is slightly older, born more than 28 weeks of gestation, relatively stable, I'd definitely wait it out at this point. But if the baby is really, really small, then I'd carefully try and find out from the heart ultrasound if the PDA might be a major cause for the problem. And if yes, I'd strongly consider treating it early rather than just waiting on it. And when you make that decision to treat, what kind of treatment are you looking at? So we baby doctors are probably the masters of repurposing adult medications. Who knew that medications uh, that are prescribed for pain, such as ibuprofen, also known as Advil, or acetaminophen, that we commonly know as, know as Tylenol, or endomethacin, would be used to close the PDA? So a decade or so ago, endomethacin used to be the gold standard for treatment. But it is not a great drug uh, in terms of its side effects. And this is perhaps one of the reasons 
we do not really want to expose uh, preterm babies to these drugs unless absolutely needed. We now know that endomethacin can affect the kidneys, the gut, and possibly the brain as well. So a lot of clinicians were not really very fond of using the drugs uh, in these very small preterm babies. So then a lot of research went into trying to find out a safer option. People figured that ibuprofen could be a safer option. And therefore, 20 years back, 15, 20 years back, and even now there was a lot of research comparing endomethacin with ibuprofen or Advil. And what we found out from that research was that Advil was as effective as, as endomethacin in closing a PDA, but a much safer option. So then there was this huge shift across the world when doctors started moving from using endomethacin to Advil. So things were fine, people were happy. Fast forward uh, a few years, and then we started to find, realize that, hang on, yes, ibuprofen is definitely safer than endomethacin, but doesn't seem to do the job it's supposed to do. So what happened? The research showed that it was as good as endomethacin. So what probably happened was that all the research comparing endomethacin to Advil was done at a very early age of the infant within the first three days. But now that we have become a little bit more tolerant to the PDA because we are more open to waiting and watching, we rarely treat PDAs that early. We would usually treat a PDA around a week or more of age. But by that time, the body systems of that premature baby have matured just a little bit to render those doses ineffective. So now through more research, uh, we have realized that we might be needing slightly higher doses of Advil to close the PDA. And it still might be a safe option to do. So many centers across Canada, based on that research that we had done and published a couple of years back, have actually adopted this practice of using higher doses of Advil, while others are still waiting on some more safety data before they make that switch. So we have a big study running across Canada right now, and we have 22 Canadian sites participating in that. And that is precisely designed to answer this question on whether higher doses are safer and more effective in closing the PDA. So hopefully in about three years' time, we'll, have, we'll definitely have more safety data on the higher doses. So for me, as of today, if I have to treat a PDA, ibuprofen or Advil would definitely be my treatment of choice, preferably the higher doses to reap the maximum benefits. How can we help families understand all of this controversy and all this waiting for information? So I think it is, it is important to start off by talking about why this is such a controversy, because that's the biggest question that I get. And I, as I started off by saying that it is very different from, it is not a disease. So when we talk about infection, infection is a disease that needs to be treated right away. But this is a condition that might be just an innocent bystander, not causing a problem. And in an attempt to treat it with potentially harmful medications, we might actually be causing more, more of a problem versus 
in some cases, it might actually start causing a problem. So we'll have to be very nuanced in our approach, try and figure out whether it is causing a problem. And sometimes a combination of the clinical science and the heart ultrasound helps us to tease that out. So what I do is that I, when I'm treating a baby with a PDA and I've done my heart ultrasound and, and then I decide not to treat it, I would sit down with the parents, talk through all of that controversy, why uh, did we decide not to treat in spite of the fact that I found this PDA really helps because at the end of the conversation, they do seem to understand that not treating a PDA sometimes is the best treatment option. And that is a message that needs to get through. It's so important to have that understanding that yes, treatment is not always doing something right now with something that, that you're interfering with what's happening with the baby. That's absolutely right. We, when we talk about treatment, we have medicalized our world a bit too much. So when we talk about treatment, we all think about drugs and tubes and ventilators and all of that. Sometimes not doing anything could be a perfectly viable treatment option. Having a baby just skin to skin with the mom is, is perhaps the best treatment option in some cases. And we need to get to that point with not just PDA, but for a lot of other things that we do in the NICU, but definitely for the PDA. I think it's maybe easier in some ways for our preemie families to understand that, that lack of intervention because you can see just how, how intensely that's going to impact the baby. Whereas when your child's a little bit older, it's a little bit easier to say, no, 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 we need to, we need to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, that sometimes doing something is not giving those medications. And doing something is just helping them breathe and grow and support. And that is the best option. But on the other hand, sometimes you really need to act fast and do something really early. And that is where most of our research efforts are, are being kind of directed right now, is trying to figure out which of these babies really need help with medications really, really early. And which are the babies where we can say that it's perfectly fine to wait on it. And, that, and, and that'll be the, just the best option for your baby. It's absolutely amazing how quickly our understanding of things can change over time. And the more information that we can gather, the better we can be at helping our patients. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. As I said, that um, we have been researching this, this condition for more than 40 years. And unfortunately, a lot of early research went on to trying to find out which medication closes off the PDA without really asking the question, does it really matter? Now we are starting to answer the, ask the question rather, does it really matter? And if yes, in which babies? And then we need to try and find out whether closing the PDA helps and if yes, with what options? So that's basically the crux of all PDA research that is going on. But again, in today's world, until we have the results of this research, we need to help the families right now. So we'll have to go with our best understanding of the research, 
we need to acknowledge the gaps and the limitations of the research and then apply that to practice. And that's how we, uh, we go about treating a BDA, that it is very, very important to follow the evidence, but at the same time, acknowledge its limitations. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to explain that nuance to us. Thank you so much for having me and hope, I really hope that is helpful for the families and everybody who's caring for preterm babies in the NICUs. Dr. Shovik Mitra is an assistant professor in the pediatrics department at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. His areas of interest include hemodynamics, perfusion, and oxygenation in preemies. He's also the social media editor for the International Society for Evidence-Based Neonatology. You can follow the society on Twitter at EBNEO, and you can find Dr. Mitra himself at S-O-U-V-I-C underscore N-E-O. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages.